This podcast is brought to you by the award-winning Australian-made butterfly maternity pillow, which we are personally huge fans of. We certainly are. We love that it's multi-use and you can use it during your pregnancy and breastfeeding journey, but also that it comes with a removable tensile cover for easy care and comfort. And they sell out every time at the One Fine Baby Expo. They do. So if you want to grab one for yourself and want a sneaky 20% off discount, just <laughs> use the code COLDCOFFEE20 at onefinebaby.com.au. You're listening to a One Fine Baby podcast. One Fine Baby acknowledges the traditional owners of land and water that this podcast is recorded on and pays respect to elders past, present and emerging. How many times have you winced your way through that cold cup of coffee just for the caffeine kick? Or tripped over the same toy you've put away 10 times? We have toothpaste on our t-shirt and tiny humans screaming our name. The Cold Coffee Hot Mess Podcast is here to bring you the real side of parenting and serve up the juiciest survival hacks for this season of life that you can implement today. We're back. We are back. It's Nadine. And Olivia. And we are your hosts of the Cold Coffee Hot Mess Podcast. Hold on a second. What are you doing here? Aren't you in New York? Well, you're in New York when this drops. I in New York. Who knows where I am? Yeah. In some fun top of the rock or... Climbing oh, the Empire State stop it, will you? or having just, you know, I'll tell you where you should go. City. I'll tell you where you should go. Where? It's the hot spot at the moment. Via Carota. That's oh. where Sophie Turner went with Taylor Swift after she broke up with Joe Jonas. It's like stop. an F okay. It's really hot okay, right now. Cool. So I'll t- book, tell that to my future there. self. Yeah, tell your future <laughs> self. <laughs> Never know. I could be there. But yes, we that. are lucky for pre-recording. <laughs> just the simple task oh. of pre-recording, which everybody does. But yes, we are so lucky. Uh, and we've got part two of our chat with Mon, the modern midwife. What a barrel of laughs she was. It was like talking to an old friend for like a, this. We could not wrap, wrap this up. Physically, yeah, we couldn't. Could not. No. So we split it in two because it was that good. And she had so many nuggets. Lol. Poo reference if you listen to part one. Well, let's dive back in then, hey? Yeah, pick up where we left off. So we know you've been teetering on the edge, waiting all week to find out the answer to the question. Do we need to ham it up to midwives on the phone when we're in labour and we want to come into the hospital and they're telling us no? Do they do this for a reason? Are they onto us? Are they looking for particular sounds coming out of us? Ungodly animal cries before they'll let us come? Or do they have some other kind of method that we don't know about? We're going to find out. Okay, this isn't a myth. This is this is true. And <gasps> I knew it. <laughs> <laughs> but it's because, and I can talk about why it's so important and why we tell women to stay at home for as long as mm. possible. Um, but if you're <laughs> calling me up, right, I'm talking mm. to you on the phone and we've had a 10-minute conversation, I'm going, she's not in active labour. Like, she's got more time, right? I yeah. want to be on the phone to you and within five minutes hearing you going, Sorry, Mon, like, just give me a second. Yeah, right. So you got to really ham it up. Well, like, you got <laughs> no, please don't do that. Tip. That's a good tip. But we, like, you want to have strong, regular uterine activity before coming into the hospital. Yeah, 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 no, fair enough. Otherwise, and you're I, taking up a bed. Yeah, but also, like, I always teach people this. Like, what does birth and orgasm have in common? You'll never, you'll never guess it, okay? Because it, I mean, oxytocin, right? That's a whole thing, a love hormone. Imagine, you know, you and your partners back in the day, back in the day, well, whenever you were conceiving your children, we're getting mm. it on, right? Your nude, dim lit lighting, whatever. All of a sudden I walk in, turn the lights on. What are you going to do? You're going to be like, oh my God, Mon, what are you doing here, right? And your oxytocin. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> your oxytocin is going going to go down and we know that oxytocin is what's responsible for causing uterine activity so yeah. that's like the same association of coming into the hospital too early if your oxytocin is still at a lower level you come into the hospital think change of environment new like unfamiliar face you're going to naturally go oh gosh what's going on that oxytocin is going to go down and labor is going to slow so that's wild that's the reason that's crazy yeah that's in, that's insane wow you really have seen it all though oh my <laughs> God. Comes in. midwives okay. have literally seen it all like they like they are there from start to finish they've seen it all I can't imagine the stories that you have for us but if you had to pick something that really sticks out in your mind is like oh my god guys you won't believe this yeah. is there something that comes to mind I mean it's so hard to pick one experience mm. because I'm like it's pretty amazing what I do for a living and often yeah. like I surround myself with midwife friends so we I guess it's a normal for us at work but then talking to people like you guys and you know the average joe down the street they're just like what mm. the heck like yeah, that's what you blowing. do and mm. I think they're like midwife has funny stories no matter what like you know a woman has done it going back to the brown nuggets like pooped and it's gone on the floor and like I've stepped in it right like a dog poo like what or like <laughs> you name a bodily fluid it's been on a midwife's body like from your blood yeah, your amniotic yeah, fluid, your like we yeah. vomit like it's on us and that's what we've seen it all we don't care we're not walking out going oh my gosh like did you see this woman like she did a poo in labor or I have her amniotic fluid we'll just laugh about it because it's the normal more blood. weird if they don't poo yeah 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 um but also like I guess this comes with seeing it all women are so fearful of what their vulva looks like right like mm. how many mm. times have I gone to a woman sorry do you mind if we like remove your pants and they're like oh sorry like I haven't shaved or I haven't waxed I'm like girl if that's my problem for the day like I'm having a phenomenal day right yeah like yeah we don't care what anything looks like and I don't I think people, because we're so private these days, right? Mm. And for the first time, most women, you know, when giving birth, they've never just been exposed like that. So naturally mm. that's our response to be like, oh God, like, sorry. But mm. we do not care. We're not looking at your vulva going, oh my goodness. Like I'm looking at many other things other than the hair down there. Like I'm looking at what, yeah. what fluid is coming out. Can I see your mm. baby's head? What is the mucus? Like, what does that look like? Yeah, the like? goal. What's the goal here? Yeah. They're all You're the there things. For a mm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But in You're terms of amazing, the landscaping down there. No, no, not at all. In terms of like amazing things, I think it's just, there's so like, there is such a diverse range. And mm. for me, it's probably those women that have maybe had a, poor experience the first time so for example maybe they've had a more significant tear during childbirth and they've had to do a lot to push through that and then come back and try again and mm. you know being the midwife to support them during that next birth and then having a totally intact perineum so no tearing at all and just walked away being like oh my goodness like that gives me goosebumps talking about it now because it's yeah. just so magical that you get to make such a big difference in someone's lives but yeah there's certainly many 
many funny stories too. Like we've had dads fainting and absolutely shitting themselves literally because when you faint, you totally let go of everything. So we've seen so it all. We're mopping up his stuff too. Oh my God. Okay, so that's who we my do knee. care about. They do yes. judge for that yeah, one. Yeah, they do judge for that one. <laughs> yeah, we do because we're not good with males. Like give us no. a female. And like also this is a massive disclaimer for any dads listening. If you think it's appropriate to walk around in your underwear, it is not. Like you need, you need to have clothes on. Like, what? Why would he be in his underwear? Yeah, exactly. Like you're staying <laughs> in a hospital. Why do you think it's appropriate to just wear your jocks? Like it's not. And as a midwife walking in and being like, "Hi, like, how'd you feed overnight?" and then just seeing the dad, it's like, "Holy shit!" Like, put some pants on. So that's oh just- my. Goodness. Yeah. Okay, that's a new one. I haven't heard that one before. <laughs> it happens all things. Um, speaking of tearing, what what's the mm. stats on tearing? Do you expect a tear in childbirth? Is that a pretty normal thing or mm. what are we expecting yeah. here? And I think this question is often like the biggest fear around birth. And so first of all, I'm going to say that tearing during childbirth is a normal physiological response yeah. to make more room for your baby to be yeah. born right and 80 percent of women will sustain some sort of degree of tearing yeah i did did you 3b tear yeah yeah and there's different four degrees put it that way i'm three three and like there's different degrees of tearing right from the perineum Mm. so like first degree tearing is just the perineum skin second degree is more of the muscle on the skin and your third and fourth degree tears are extending more into those anal sphincter muscles which are anal sphincter sorry i love that word (laughs) anal sphincter that's me i'm in the three three but i haven't had any issues thank goodness Goodness. yeah and that's stitched up nicely yeah but that's like the thing that we fear so much and people talk about the negative experiences of their types Mm -hmm. of tears okay but you still can have a tear and be like okay as well and yeah and as a midwife do you do the stitching back up like who does the heavy lifting is it you the obstetrician like what do you think so we don't get trained as a midwife in our studies to like do suturing so we have to upskill which is currently what I'm doing so I've repaired you know my first perineum like a month ago which was insane but we have to upskill to learn that so, which mm-hmm. is a bit crazy, but midwives can do it and doctors. But also sometimes it's more commonly doctors because there's a lot of other stuff potentially going on where we, mm-hmm. it's our job to look after you and we have 500 other things to be doing than sitting mm-hmm. for, you know, half an hour. Yeah. Um, but I just quickly want to say that we do focus a lot on those perineal tears. So mm. perineum, easiest way for me to explain it. And I love this because a dad... Um, in one of my classes was like oh so it's the gooch right we hear your gooch yeah (laughs) everyone knows what the gooch is in terms of because our male counterparts have always spoken about it but like think about it it's that part of the skin between your vaginal opening and your anus now I'm quite professional so sorry if that was really unprofessional of me no Um, I'm speaking our language no well yeah you can't speak what the people speak (laughs) yeah and you can sustain other tears other than just the perineum. So think about your cheeky babies and sometimes, you know, you might, your perineum might stretch beautifully over your baby's head and depending on where their cheeky hand is, if it's next to their face or if it's like, if their arm comes out and their elbow 
you can see how that diameter mm-hmm. will mm-hmm. so it you can out. yeah you can sustain some sort of um, labial grazes and tears um, urethral clitoral and also vaginal wall tears but your midwife will inspect all of this and we will make sure that it is you know recovered well and when like is there if you didn't have an epidural and you went pain-free it, when it's stitching back up does that good question hurt or yeah. do they put numbing cream or what's the process so we actually put local anesthetic so if you oh, brilliant I didn't know yeah that. yeah so I mean, think of after birth, everything's going to be sensitive, right? It is so, a bit, yeah, yeah. It's going to be sensitive and more so not the actual repairing, so the suturing and stitching, it's the touching mm. and poking and prodding when we're mm. assessing the area to see yeah. what has occurred is more sensitive. So, if you're someone that doesn't have pain relief, using the gas could be really good just to help relax everything. But then mm. also, when we are doing the repairing, we would put local anesthetic in. So, it would be right. completely numb. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And um, you, I was just gonna say on that. Um, after Eva was born, the doctors came in the next day and said, uh, "Look, so there was a third, three B, third degree tear, um, like during the birth. Um, so for next baby, we might consider a C-section." And so that I think it was kind of like an off-the-cuff comment. But then I fell pregnant. Like my my son came two years later. So it was quite a short window between kids and I had it so stuck in my head that I'd have to need a C-section because I didn't want to like, you know, potentially be incontinent or um, have any issues. So I was like so hell-bent on the C-section route and I had my midwife up until kind of the end saying, you know, you can do a vaginal birth if you want to. We can do it. And I was like, they came in the next day and told me no. So like I, I was so just hell-bent on, on that. But I mean, looking back, I probably could have done it. But you know what? Like those are the comments that stick with the woman. Like my mm, sister, my so beautiful sister, me, yeah. she had an like, she had an amazing labour, and I was there with her. And her, her birth was still beautiful, right? But it took some time to get my nephew out, and she had an episiotomy as well as like some mm. gutter tears, which means like just behind the perineum. And mm. the doctor the next day said, you know, maybe next time you could consider having a cesarean. And when she told me that the rage and it's funny because I know the doctor but the rage in my head I was like Emma you not that you're going to be thinking about your next birth but you would have a completely different experience and still Mm. today she has that comment in her head so Mm. there's a very different perspective between a doctor and a midwife and I think that like these are the things like I've supported women who have had bigger like tears like a third of you know third degree mm. tear who have then had their next birth and had a no tearing at all mm, right yeah. I, so, such a fear of re-tearing that area and then having permanent damage like for me I'm like I'm 33 absolutely it's not the risk absolutely and like you gotta weigh it up I totally get that too so once again even though I'm like you know you could do it it just what's going to be best for the woman is what's most important yeah yeah for sure yeah, great. Can we talk about inductions? So uh, did you have an induction? I, had an I didn't induction. know. Mm-hmm. So a common myth with some mums that they've heard is inductions um, mm. can be a bit of a negative experience. Mm. Um, can you share any of your experiences on why they can actually be positive? Yeah, and you're so right. Like inductions have such a bad rap and it's mm. because we hear we hear the horror stories and you know, from the stats, we know that a lot of women are induced now. Like in 2020, um, the Australian Institute of Health and Welfare shared 
that about two in five of mothers who give birth have spontaneous labor, but around one in three. So of those women who gave birth in 2020, 35% of them were actually induced. Okay. So one in three women are being induced these days. So you can see it's, it's quite common. And I see that all the time. And that's why I'm like, we really need to change the conversation around inductions Mm. because women are coming in thinking and being so fearful of it. And we know that fear in childbirth is not Mm. good because it will block our oxytocin, right? Mm -hmm. Which is so important for birth. And the things that I just want to debunk now with the myth is going back to what I was talking about earlier to have a vaginal birth and have cervical dilation around to 10 centimeters, we Mm -hmm. need strong regular uterine activity, right? We need about four contractions in 10 minutes, which are strong and lasting Mm -hmm. around 60 seconds. That does not change with induction or with spontaneous labor. Mm. Okay. You cannot have a vaginal birth if you don't have strong uterine activity. That's Mm -hmm. a fact. Okay. So often the negative experiences of inductions come from women going, it was intense quickly and I felt like I wasn't getting a rest. Okay. So women, I guess with induction for those people that don't really know what we're talking about, we're artificially bringing on contractions. Okay. So your midwife is titrating an oxytocin drip up until we sort of reach four contractions in 10 minutes, which are 60 seconds and strong. So we are not just turning it up and up and up and up and up until we reach them. We have time, right? Birth takes time. I always say to the woman, if you feel as though you're not getting a rest between the contractions, you just tell us. We're monitoring the whole time, but you're in control, right? We shouldn't be pushing women to get to that stage really quickly. We've got time. And you can still find yourself having a magical birthing experience when being Mm. induced like you can still use the shower you can still use all of those birth tools you can use those breathing techniques the Mm. only thing that changes is you're going to have the continuous monitoring and you're going to have your Mm. little friend with the iv drip walking around around. yeah okay that's good to know i think it's good to debunk that yeah in terms of the contractions right contractions follow a bell curve they gradually build up they reach a peak and they come back down Mm-hmm. The contractions are not different with inductions. You're still having that bell curve of they're coming up and they're coming down and you're getting rest. And the thing with the rest is your uterus is completely resting. So you should be able to feel good in between those rests. And mm-hmm. it's just coming back to we need strong uterine activity to have a baby and you shouldn't fear that just because no. of how someone else's experience has gone. That does not mean that that's how your birthing experience is going to go. Oh, that's so nice. Anyone that has you, Monique, is lucky to have you. I know. (laughs) know Back when my mum was induced and the the doctor just wanted to get in the golf course or he had some event that night that's right in the city at the opera house. So he just pushed it through and, yeah, she. I think she ended up claiming in court and getting money back from it. Oh, my God. It was awful. Look, Hmm. sometimes we see – we Like I'm not going to be unrealistic and say that sometimes inductions, they can be really intense really quickly and women can get too many contractions. But that's more rare. And that we, as a midwife, that's my role to stop that. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. So it's about communication. It's about keeping and in that's contact what I and say. letting her know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I like, I always say to a woman when I'm starting her induction is you're in control still. And I think that's the hardest mm. thing for women because yeah. – 
think of spontaneous labor most of the time it gradually builds up especially for a first-time mum like there's not as many women that just go from zero to 100 really quickly, whereas induction, because it's being artificial, it can happen more quickly. So it's almost the shock of, oh, my gosh, like this is happening. And then, oh, my gosh, this is happening really intensely. How am I going to cope in that negative mindset again? So it's communicating with each other. Just on that, I, there is a bit of a, um, would you say, like a bit of a trend that you've heard that often, more times than not, um, the second and subsequent birth happen a lot faster than the yeah. first birth. Let's slide on out. <laughs> you just cough, right? Isn't that, that's what I've heard. No? It is. No, it is. You are right. It's completely different. It's because your body's done it before. Oh, right? Your oxytocin. <laughs> no, not because of that, Nadine. <laughs> really? But See, this ob- is why I need obviously, you, obviously, things have have stretched more down below, <laughs> right? So yep. that is correct but it's because your oxytocin receptors have already been exposed to this it's like okay my body's ah. done this before i can do it again it's like um, muscle memory you know yeah it is like, it, but, and, and we go like, again. it literally is though your body just like naturally your body just knows what to do and for a second time mum even in pushing mm. like first time mum pushing can take up to two hours and it still be classified as normal okay so people listening like it takes time to push out a baby for the first time Second time mum, we'd say up to an hour, but honestly, most mums can push their baby out within like three pushes. Like it happens. They yeah. can go from like the smallest about amount of head on view to all of a sudden with the next push, the head being fully wow. out. So it, it's amazing. it often does happen a little bit quicker. And yeah, I love looking after second time mums because things happen a lot quicker. Yeah, like yeah I'm yeah, thinking if I ever go for three, I'm flying. I'm booking a flight. Oh, it's She's 100%. Good. No, yeah, we're flying when they go up. I oh, that's, that's a better idea. Do. If you could organise that, that'd be good. Yeah, that'd be great. Okay, um, and, I'll um, be there. The, the, the last question we want to touch on is a fun one for me to read out loud. Yeah. But um, what happens to your tits and bits <laughs> immediately postpartum? Because, yeah, I had no idea. You tell, you tell us is what happens. Is it possible to but... frame a piece of audio? <laughs> I just want to know. That was oh, amazing. What, the Thank tits and bits? Yeah. I, the yeah. Look, tits my slogan, bits. Let's go. My slogan on my podcast is talking tits, bits, spew and poo. I mean, oh, is that not just the best? Amazing. Right? Yes. Like, this is what it's all about. Perfectly. Motherhood in a nutshell. Yeah. <laughs> it literally is. And I mean, you guys are mums, right? You know how mm-hmm. things feel after giving birth. And I mm-hmm. think that disconnect from the body is often what a lot of people aren't prepared for. Okay, so mm. regardless of your mode of birth, so cesarean assisted delivery of a vacuum or forceps or a vaginal mm-hmm. birth, you're mm-hmm. going to have swelling. And that's because your body's held on to so much fluid throughout your pregnancy, yeah. right? You're mm-hmm. catering yeah. for your baby's needs. All of a sudden after giving birth, it's like, okay, I don't need this fluid anymore. How do I get rid of it? And it will bring it towards like the tissues of your skin yeah and I that... thought as soon as you gave birth you lost your bump and I was <laughs> and I was like that's only Kate Middleton was the one that showed me that oh no you, you yeah, still got a bump amazing. But, yeah she still looked amazing but yeah I had no idea about that so blinkers on again yeah that's right needed Monique um so what no, about but... your breasts and things yeah so like um your breasts also to do with swelling right that's yeah, why too. women get that get that um engorgement so that firmness of the breast oh, we often I remember think that feeling yeah but we often think that it's 
your milk coming in. And I think a lot mm. of the time it's like the midwives do say like, oh, it's your milk transitioning in. But also with that is your milk transitioning in as well as inflammation and swelling to the breast. Yeah. I okay. had no idea how big they get because I thought they were big enough. Like mine were huge watermelons. And then they went to like Dolly Parton styles. Nuts. Yeah. Right. yeah. It's crazy. Lucky. Lucky. Like, I, I mean. I, and I Max couldn't of... even fit his head on them. Like it was so massive. Was I've got nothing. I had no idea. <laughs> Yeah, same. I've got nothing either. I've got nothing. Now. And I'm like, okay, I wouldn't mind having a little lift, but yeah. um, not sure last. I'm ready to go through the birth yet. No. <laughs> but Wait honestly, you, yeah. everything, everything's swollen. Like I'm talking your vulva. Women say it feels like I had a ball sack, right? And that like, because things can get very swollen and I'm, I'm yeah. not, I'm not joking. Like I look, it, that's not to scare women either, but things can swell quite quickly but then mm. within 22 hours you're looking at a completely different like vulva yeah right mm. like things can change as well as bleeding i think lots of women don't expect the bleeding postpartum we don't really talk about it um no, and it's coming, a lot. yeah it's like a heavy period to begin with and gradually will taper off and we say allow up to six weeks right after giving birth yeah. you're going to stand up and feel like you're just hemorrhaging and it's because that mm. blood pulls in you know, the uterus and then, then it starts to come out. Comes out. Oh, but gosh. The thing about the bleeding is, and this is a quick little anatomy lesson, but think of your uterus, so a big balloon, mm -hmm. right, and your placenta embedded on it. So imagine the placenta. Your placenta is like, two, like your two hands together. It's pretty big. That whole surface of the placenta is embedded on your uterus, okay? Mm -hmm. So after birth, your placenta detaches, and all of a sudden you have this massive open wound on your uterus, right? Like oh no one gosh. sees that. But that's what's happening inside. And the mm. bleeding is coming from that wound. So it's, you have to yeah. heal. Your Got body it. has to heal. Yeah. 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 It takes time. Like yeah, you need time. to allow yourself In time. Fact, this is one just directly for Nathan Plummer. Um, isn't it true that you can't have any, any form of sexual activity for six months after birth? Um, right? Yeah. With a little, it's definitely an unwritten law, right? Yeah. Six months. <laughs> Um, hey, what but I told also him. one, yeah. one quick one for you. Would you eat your placenta? Oh, absolutely not. Oh, good. I mean, I don't, actually, no, well, I had, it was shark week last week and I was like, it's the same concept, right? But like, I would shark never week is eat. Shark the same concept as well, eating like your placenta and stuff. No. Okay. Actually, no, totally it's not. Different. Let's take that back. But, um, what am I even thinking about? <laughs> no, I my mind. If I had a third, I actually might go down the placenta pill route. Well, yeah, that's Why what I, I mean. Eating the placenta is different to taking a tablet of the placenta. Yeah, I wouldn't like slice up and oh, put yeah, it on the barbecue. Oh, yeah, that's what I mean. That's like weird. put it in a smoothie and all that. No, 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 no. No, no, I'm not putting my placenta in a smoothie. Maybe I would <laughs> okay. um, in encapsulate it because, it, of yeah. course, it's full of nutrients. Um, yeah. But blending a smoothie, um, not too sure. Making a okay, placenta right. just wanted definitely to, not. Just wanted to check that. Triple check, yeah, Smoothing. for next time. So if, if a woman does request to take the placenta home to either encapsulate it or slice it up take and put it, it in the barbecue or put in the smoothie, wow. how does one, is it a little doggy bag? Like when you go home from the restaurant, how does one transport that home? <laughs> what happened? Oh my gosh, I can't get little doggy bag. All I'm thinking is like the placenta in like a plastic see-through container. Absolutely not. That's and what I'm thinking. Honestly, like... There are lots of people that do take their placentas home, okay? Yeah. Some people can do it for cultural reasons, like mm -hmm, it's the, mm -hmm. you know, cultural thing. Yep. Um, some people yep. like to go home and plant it like under a tree and it's really, you know, the, the, placenta, the placenta is pretty much the tree oh, of definitely. life. Okay? It gives life. Yeah. yeah, it's like fertilizer. Um, but because you oh. 
Like the placenta is an organ. Okay. So mm. for you to take your organ home, you have to sign a release form from the hospital. Wow. Yeah, you have to, it's a full thing. Yeah, it's it's pretty easy, but you have to sign saying you are taking home your placenta and there is laws about how deep you if you're burying it, how deep you have to bury it below the ground but also you have to transport it home on ice otherwise it will just fascinating yeah it's like an episode of Grey's Anatomy and how so how do they do it you get a little and I mean (laughs) no it is like a little I mean the hospital that I work at it's just in a little container but it's not see-through it's more of a bucket Okay, and the placenta is in a plastic bag within the bucket on ice. And they so take it isn't it. a little doggy bag yeah. in the bucket. So I guess it's a little send them off. No. I'm never coming to your house, Nadine, because I don't trust anything <laughs> in your freezer. <laughs> no, I would never. That's why I'm saying I didn't do the placenta route. But I was just wondering what your opinion was. So thank you. That's Nick. awesome. That's good. That's good. Okay. We just want to touch on one more thing because this is like a rite of passage for every first-time parent. I want to know from a midwife perspective how annoying this is. <laughs> the stealing of the hospital blanket. It happens, yep. what, no, it's got to happen nine times out of ten. How, does, how do you guys handle that? Is that okay or do you hate it? Okay, honestly, you're not supposed to take your hospital blanket home, right? Once we give it to you, it is your property. <laughs> but well, there is nothing more awkward than you seeing someone trying to take home the hospital blanket and you're like, do I ask them for it? Do I not? Do I just let them go? And look, I think most of the time we just let them go. But sometimes yeah. it's like they have like five. It's like, okay, yeah. that's It's like, many. all right, maybe. I'm taking the piss now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah just maybe one. Give it's an- because otherwise we don't have any. But it's just a yeah, souvenir, yeah, though. It's right. a souvenir. Well, you know? take the teddy instead. Just swap that it, out. Maybe that teddy? can be it a conversation is, starter. Yeah. Do you know what? Here's a teddy. I'll take that blanket back. Yeah, that's a good it idea. It is actually that really funny, like, seeing people post photos at home and, like, they've got the rainbow hospital yeah, blanket. I totally, right, and you're like, I totally did that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're one of them. You've joined the cult. Yeah, one <laughs> Everyone's one of them. Yeah. <laughs> like, everyone yeah. does that. Oh, great. Oh, well, awesome. on that note, thank you so much, Monique. You've been yeah, incredible. Thanks, yeah, anyone who's birthing in Victoria or anywhere in Australia who wants to, to travel to Victoria, we highly recommend. Yeah, anyone that is lucky enough to have you as their midwife um, is very yeah. lucky in our eyes. We're so very, thank very you jealous. so much for oh. being with us today and all your amazing tips. And where can everyone find you in case they want to find out more? Well, thank you so much for having me, guys. But also, like, I'm honestly, like, just very passionate about what I do. And there is so many incredible midwives. Like, really, you're never going to find a negative midwife. Like, you're going to walk into the room and find a midwife that's amazing. Like, I look at the colleagues that I work with and I'm like, oh, my gosh, like, how incredible are these women doing this every single day? So just be reassured that you will have an incredible midwife caring for you but um no I've had such a fun time chatting you guys are just a laugh and a half um I'm never going to be able to look at a placenta a placenta leaving the hospital normally again um but in terms of people want to follow me I obviously have my Instagram which is um at the midi society and that's midi with M-I-D-D-E. um but if you are looking to get educated I do have my own childbirth education classes, which are face-to-face in Melbourne, but I do offer online and I do have an online platform coming next year, which is super exciting. But yeah, if you're looking for more tips and tricks, I mean, talking all things tits, bits, spew and poo, uh, (laughs) head to my my podcast, Midi, where I talk even more in depth about all things midwifery, parenthood. And yeah, thank you so much, guys. You're incredible. You're doing amazing things for the parenting industry too. So without you, um, back at you, girl. 
Oh, thanks, guys. I really appreciate you. Thanks right. so much, babe. Thanks, thanks. See you later. Bye. Bye. That was so amazing. Like, could she be any funnier as well? Oh, she's just a good person. I don't think I've yeah. ever met a midwife I didn't like. I wanted to be a midwife after Do you know, I gave birth. There are some, yeah, you would have been a good midwife, but there are. <laughs> no, I don't think I would have no, been. I think you would have been. <laughs> I don't but know. But there that. are some cranky midwives that I've come across. Oh, but I yeah. think um, people like Mon are really leading the way and becoming mm. a bit more modern midwife in how they interact and. It's just about that knowledge, that education, you know. I think the thing is it's the knowledge is power. And if I could talk or give advice Mm. to someone having their first child, Mm. I would tell them not to put your blinkers on and just go in. Just read, read, read. I kind of want a do-over of both of my births after talking to both Mon and Sophie Walker. Like I just feel like I I know. Well, go go for it, girl. We don't need all the content I can get. Oh, that means I have to have Giving you full reign. Thanks. Anyway, (laughs) okay, that was awesome. Um, And we will be back in your ears on Friday. Yeah, see you on Friday. Yeah, Friday Friday kicks. Have a good rest of your week. Bye. Bye.